0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called "Interacting Well." Interacting Well. This series uh, sprang out of "Developing Well," um, which was a series on the developing the attitudes that we're to have as citizens in the kingdom of God. We looked at the Beatitudes at the end of the Beatitudes in Matthew five. There's these verses that talk about the importance of us being salt and light in the world around us, and. Uh, I, I, you know, as I was praying about that, I I thought that was a great picture of the way that we interact with the world around us, and uh, in in prayer I felt like the the verses that we should concentrate on in that process are the great commandment verses that Jesus gave us. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've, we've, um, we've centered in on those verses for this series, Interacting Well. We've been breaking it down and teaching through it. The first four uh, parts of this series were love God with all your heart. Um, we talked about as that as the control panel of our lives. Love God with all your soul. And I said that's the personality and the emotions of who we are. Love God with all our minds. That we're not to check our minds at the door when it comes to loving God. That we're to, we're to be all in. We're to, we're to check for the evidence and, and that, that our faith, our, our, um, our gospel message rather is based on solid evidence and facts. And uh, we, we don't need to think that, oh, it's, it's all about faith. It's not. We had Mike come and talk to us about that recently last Wednesday. We looked at the book Gravity. And, and so we, we can love God with all of our mind, all in, in every area of our lives. Uh, and then loving God with all our strength. I said that was about living by doing the next right thing. And that's what we're to work on in the process. Last week, we started the second part of the great command, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and I want to talk about that more today, and then we're gonna we're gonna actually take that one a little further in the weeks ahead as we look at what that really means. Uh, so that will be our, our verse our, our our discussion today. We're gonna take that uh, you know a little further along than we did last week. Love your neighbor as yourself, and what Jesus was talking about in the process. Before we do that, though, I have this little story for you, um, uh, and because it just fits with what we're talking about today. So so this this mom this mom was preparing pancakes. For her children, uh, she had two little boys. One was five. One was three. Five-year-old's name is Kevin. The three-year-old's name is Ryan. And the boys begin to argue over who was going to get the first pancake. You know, it was smelling so good, and they were both hungry, and they could smell the pancake. So the five-year-old and the three-year-old, Kevin and Ryan, are having a having an argument. And the mom sees this as a great opportunity to you know to sort of teach them a little bit about how Jesus taught to to love one another. And and she said to the little boys, um, she said, you know, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say. Let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. And so Kevin, the five-year-old, turns to the younger brother, Ryan, the three-year-old, and he says to, to uh, Ryan, he says, Hey, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> I just think that's how we kind of run through this thing a lot of times. Uh, and I like that. So, so... Um we're going to be talking about that today, that, that whole idea. What does it mean to love our neighbors, ourselves? What's getting on? What's going on in that little uh, verse? Our scripture reading today is out of Luke 10, 25 through 29. I'm using the message paraphrase for the scripture reading, um, and uh, then we'll dig into it in the NIV later on. Um, verse 25 Just then, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He, and, and he answered, well, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And he said well, that you should love your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? How would you define neighbor? And so we're going to talk about that today well, in, in just a moment. What does it mean to love our neighbor? But, but I want to take the... The verse and dig into it a little more today. Love your neighbor as yourself, um, because there's a lot in that verse. It's a, it's really a, uh, a verse that that is has you know it, it should stop you in your track. When you get what it really means, it should kind of go whoops, and make you really take a good look at what's going on. So first point in your notes is this: it's the idea of self-love, self-love. Mark twelve thirty-one. The second is this: this is the verse. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The first commandment being, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Um, This is the second one of it. And love your neighbor as yourself. So, we're commanded here. The command in, in this verse, in verse 31, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the command isn't to love yourself. The command is to love your neighbor as yourself. And what Jesus is assuming is that you already love yourself. And he wants that love to be the basis of your neighbor love, of loving your neighbor. And I touched on this last week, this idea of self-love, where I said that, you know, if you're hungry, you get something to eat. Um, If you have a need, you try and meet it, and et cetera. And we talked about it a little bit. Paul describes it this way in Ephesians 5, 28 through 29. He says this, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. The idea in that verse, and what Paul is uh, stressing in this whole thing about feeding and caring for it, is that um, at some level, we're all seeking our own happiness. That's, that's the idea. That's a part of how you were created. Um, um, and that's the idea of self-love. It's our desire to experience a happy life. Self-love is different from self-esteem because now, now culturally everybody really talks about how, you know, the importance of self-esteem and I'm not saying it is or isn't but I mean, it's different than this. Self-esteem has to do with how you feel about yourself and, and um, e- even if you had no self-esteem, uh, even if that were the case, you would still deep down want to be happy. It's, it's, it's part of what's wired into you. Um, this is true of people who are even turning to all sorts of things, you know, destructive things that aren't good for them, um, in search of being happy. Because um, people don't turn to activities that aren't good for them because they don't love themselves. It's that their idea of what will make them happy is wrong. See, that, that's what happens. Their idea of what will make them happy is broken. And so they turn to things that are self-destructive, but it's not because of their self-love, or, or that issue. It's really not. They're just, they they want to be happy. They're just going in the wrong direction to experience it it's in our nature to do what we think will make us happiest in the moment that's what self-love is. self-love is something god created Um, and in and of itself it is a good thing god created it in and of itself it's not evil it is a good thing to hunger for food is not evil to want to be warm when it's cold or or cool when it's hot is certainly not evil to want to be liked by others is not evil Um, this whole idea of, of wanting to be happy was a trait that existed before the fall and so it's it's not evil in itself. What does happen though is as a consequence of the fall and of the way that we often think about this whole idea of self-love um, is that that our self-love can turn into self-focus or self-obsession um, where it becomes the driving force in our life and and at that point it becomes um, a a big issue in the way that we go through life and this command that Jesus gives us really should shake all of that whole process up and I think he does it on purpose Um, he's he's the command is this love your neighbor as yourself what Jesus is saying here is that that all the things that we desire in our lives to be happy we're to desire for our neighbors as well and not just in theory In in reality, Um, what he's saying is we're to be concerned, as concerned about our neighbor's lives as we are about our own. Our self-love, how how much we desire to be happy, that, that whole process should be the measure of our concern for our neighbors. He's not saying that you should get all you want to be happy and then help what, with whatever energy you have left over or whatever resources you have lower. It's not what he's saying. The word as there is this, is this that it's a little, looks like a little tiny word. It's this huge word in understanding. It means, it means as. Um, it, it, so love your neighbor as yourself means with the same energy, with the same passion, with the same commitment, with the same focus, um, and, and on and on and on and when you when you if you will allow that to penetrate the things that I just said um, it should seem overwhelming the reality of that and not possible at all Um, because uh, where we would go with that is and it's reasonable the thought is if we really were to love others that way um, as we were as concerned about their needs wants um, and happiness as our own um, how could we ever really achieve our own happiness Um, And and so is Jesus asking us to forgo our own happiness in order to help others achieve it? Um, And and this whole process, what Jesus said there, would be completely overwhelming if he hadn't given us the first part of the command first, which is why he did what he did. See, the, the thing that he told first, and that's point number two, real happiness is found in loving God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. See, part of us, in order to live this thing out, has to redefine our source for life and get a different picture of what we're pursuing and where we're going to really experience happiness in life. Remember Mark 12:30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This whole conversation started with that because if we don't do that first, there's no way we can do the second part because the second part would completely overwhelm you. It, it would be, you, would, you just couldn't go there you couldn't even process it. If you, you know, think about it, that, 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 that sounds like what Jesus is saying is, I want you to be just as concerned about everybody else as you are as yourself. And, and at that point, it, it's because, you know, we're so driven on what we think makes us happy. And that, you know, we got to do all these things and we need these material things and we need all these things for our comfort. and We need all these things for our pleasure. And none of those things are bad. I, I'm not saying any of that stuff is necessarily bad. But if you really took that in, and then we need to be just as concerned about everybody else that they're also achieving those things it's like wow that's not possible I can barely barely get there myself but see here's the deal the first thing that we have to take in is that that real happiness will only ever be experienced by being all in with God heart mind soul and strength and so what Jesus is saying is that you take all the desire of your self-love and you focus it on God and then he satisfies you in a way that you never could in your own strength. Because your, your self-love is only truly fulfilled as you focus your life all in with God. He's the source of real, full, and abundant, now and forever life. We talked about that. He's the source of all of it. And then, with that realization in place, and with that sort of working in us, beginning to work in us, and our our longings being met and satisfied in Him, and and only in Him, then our desire for our neighbor to experience that same thing, that same real abundant now and forever life, um, that takes on a completely different reality. Because we're, we're realizing that happiness isn't, isn't about all of the stuff that we accumulate and all the things that we turn to in order to be happy and all the energies. That, that real happiness is about people connecting with God all in. And that, that in reality what we're to do is experience that for ourselves and then um, that we're to have a concern that other people would experience that same all in reality with God as well. That's how it, we love our neighbors as ourselves. It's that, that same then that same focus, that same passion, that same reality, that my life um, is, is it's just out, outside and apart from God. It's not happy. It's, it's pretend. It's fake. The things that I thought in my life that would bring me happiness apart from Him never have. They haven't worked. I, you know, I chased after a lot of things that never, never were fulfilling or satisfying. Um, it's only in Him. And, and, and that reality then begins to change things and makes this concept something that we can actually go, okay, I get it, what, what he's asking me to do now is the life I found in him, that's the life I'm the desire for my neighbor, which brings up the third point. Well, then who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And I think we want to, sometimes we want to narrowly define this. Well, my neighbor is the person on either side of me wherever I live. No. That's too easy. Um, it's not, that's not who your neighbor is, and so let's, let's talk about, who's our neighbor, then, what we're talking about, because it's not nearly as narrow as we think it might be, because if we really take this in, and we're supposed to be passionate, and th- this is a pretty big deal, what Jesus is asking of us, but he's saying, you know, this, this, uh, at the, at the other hand, this sums up all the law and the prophets, this is it, he's saying this, you, okay, if you, if you really want to know how you do this thing, here's it, love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength, we talked about what that looks like, you love him like that, then love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those things, you got it. That's pretty good news. If you think. It's not as easy as it sounds, but it's, at least it's okay. So how do we know who our neighbor is? Well, in the, in the question um, that takes place, you'll see, because one of, the, one of the lawyers actually repeats to Jesus what Jesus has said in Mark about how to, how to experience life. Jesus has already taught, you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the, this... Religious expert is going to repeat that back to Jesus and say, well, this is what you said. And uh, Jesus is going to go, okay, good, you got it. And now he's going to make it more practical. So let's look at these uh, Luke 10, 25 through 37. This is out of the NIV. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, when you're so expert in the law, when you see lawyer in the text, it's not like lawyers like we know them today. These would be the religious scholars of the day. One occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Remember, he wasn't really looking. He was trying to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? This guy answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. See, that's Jesus saying, if you can, that's it. that's, That's it. But the guy wants to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, Now here it goes, and you'll know this story as I begin to read it. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. That's a great story. The parable of the Good Samaritan. You've probably heard it before. I got this thing in my brain, so I got to get it out. Sometimes I, if I don't, I get, I get, it'll be in there and I can't get rid of it. Sunday school, teacher teaches this lesson to her kids. So she reads them the story of the Good Samaritan. And so she says to, to one uh, little girl, she said, well, what would you do if you, if you were coming down there, walking down the road and you saw a man that had been beaten and stripped and was bleeding and, and a mess on the side of the road. And the little girl looks at the Sunday school teacher and she says, I think I'd throw up. Thank you. I needed to get that off my brain. So, who's your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? That's the question. Your neighbor is the person you encounter in your day-to-day life who needs the mercy of God. Your neighbors are the wounded, broken, and lost people you are around every day. Who desperately need to know the compassion of God. They might live in your neighborhood. They might work with you. They're the servers at restaurants and the cashiers at grocery stores and the counter people at fast food restaurants. They're the drivers who don't yield when they're supposed to. They're the people you encounter throughout each and every day in need of the same mercy that we've been shown by our Heavenly Father. That's who your neighbor is. Your neighbors are the people that you encounter wherever you are throughout the course of the day that need the mercy of God. And it's supposed to impact us that what we found in Him is what the people that we encounter desperately need. And it's to impact us in a way that it becomes a, a part of, a major part of our life. Not, a, not an addition to or not after everything else is taken care of, but with a passion that says, I, I want other people to know the love of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God and the compassion of God in a broken world. In a, in a world where the, our enemy, our adversary has blinded people and, and treats them poorly and, and makes them you know wonder and question why they're even around. And, and there's a God who loves them so much who's gone to such great lengths to make a way for them to have life. And, and some people just have never heard it or haven't heard it properly or haven't seen it. And so they, they, they don't know that there's more to life than what they're experiencing. And those are our neighbors. And you know, in this whole passage of Scripture, it's fascinating because the, you know, the whole thing is the, the first two that passed by, the man on the side of the road, were religious people, religious leaders who just walked right away, had nothing to do with it. They should have, and they didn't respond at all to the man who, beat, who did respond was a Samaritan. This was someone the religious people would, wouldn't have tolerated. They, they hated the Samaritan. They hated them. That's why when the guy is asked who was the neighbor, he couldn't even say the Samaritan. He had to say, well, the gun, the one, you know, that guy over there that showed mercy. He got it, but he wouldn't even mention it. But, but Jesus is making this point, and I believe in this story, Jesus is actually the Samaritan himself because they don't like Jesus either. They, they hate, they're trying to test him with the whole thing. They hate him too, and so he just puts himself in the role. And, and he demonstrates and models for us what life looks like. And the reason I say that is in John, in John eight forty eight and 49, these same religious leaders accuse him and they say, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? And, and Jesus only qualifies, he only qualifies, I'm not possessed by a demon. I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I, with that in mind, when this whole story comes up, he just shows them, okay, this is, you don't even like you know, who, who I'm going to be in this whole thing. But here's what life looks like. And this is what a life of love looks like. It cares about people in the world around them. It actually stops being so consumed with us trying to get everything worked out in our own strength that we can see the need and the hurt and in the, in the, in the wounded in the world around us. And, and so he, he knows their thoughts. And in the story, he demonstrates to them what a life of, of love in God is supposed to look like. It's a love that cares for others as ourselves. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus models this life for us. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. I, I touched on it last week, and, and, and so we're going to dig into those things and those verses that I brought up at the end of last week where we do what He did. We see like He sees. We serve like He serves. We love like He loves. We think like He thinks. Um, but we're to do what He did. He models it. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. See, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm leaving this with you. But if you really want to walk all this out, this is what it looks like. Just love God all in. It's, that's where life is found. And as you begin to experience life in him, what will happen in you is that this, this tendency we have to self-focus and self-obsess will be changed so that we're we're we we understand that life is found in our pursuit of him not in anything else and as we pursue him we want other people to know that life as well and 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 so we won't get so busy that we miss broken people as we pass them by we won't miss our neighbors who need mercy uh in our lives because they're everywhere and and you know god it's so amazing i think sometimes we look at that and we'll go, then i'll just never have life jesus lived amazing life while he was among us i mean don't I, there were times his they walked and they laughed and they talked and they they you know they they encouraged each other they did all the things that 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 are supposed to happen in life I, there was plenty of ministry going on but jesus often got alone he prayed he hung out I, you know there was all sorts of stuff in his life huh? I, I, I don't think it's at the expense of not experiencing life. But as we, as we begin to experience life in Him, we start to find that the things that we do, um, even the things that we're doing for fun, allow us opportunities to begin to, to reach out to other people and to experience and share life with them. I'm just I'm, I'm looking at, at Rudy and Bob in the front row. And, and uh, they, 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 they're involved in our kayaking affinity group. And and uh, they they love to kayak, and so they just started inviting people along with them, and they get people all the time that just go. They don't come to the church, and they just come and they hang out and they fellowship. And, and so I'm not. It's not like you don't get to do the stuff you like to do. You just do it inclusively, and start saying, hey, who else wants to go along on the journey? And 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 we're not so consumed that we we can't, you know, just. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't mean that the things don't fit together. They all fit together, when we give it all to Him. Life is found in Him. And it's more fun when you're, when you're in, the, in, his, you know, in his way instead of just being, I've got to make all this work in my own strength because we just can't get there that way. So, so that's this concept coming at us now um, that we, we're to love others as we love ourselves with the same heart that we have to, to experience full, now, real and abundant life in Jesus. That, that we, we really get that we want other people to experience that as well. And that starts to change us in the way that we operate in the world around us. We'll dig more into that next week and we'll look at the, 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 the things that he did and seeing and, and, and loving and thinking and, and all those things in the weeks ahead. But that's enough for you to think about this week. Think about those things. If you're watching on television or video, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it. Go to the website. Check things out there. You can call us if you need prayer and uh, we'll do what we can to pray for you and encourage you and uh, come and visit us whenever you're in the area. Thank you very much.